Hello and welcome to UI Chat from the Interface, the monthly show talking about everything ubiquity and networking. I'm your host Alex, and once again I'm joined by my co-host Evan McCann. Welcome, Evan. Welcome. Hey, how have you been? Not too bad. Um, feels like ages since we recorded. I know it's only like late December, but I don't know. January is one of those months where just it feels like a very long month, and it feels like it's been a long time since we recorded. So. Right. Yeah. Holidays, uh, Christmas, New Year's, and then I, I was on vacation last week. So yeah, it's it's been a weird month, and yeah, yeah. it seems like Ubiquity took no breaks. <laughs> no, there's lots of stuff released. Um, we both worked on the show notes. You've sort of flushed it out as usual, and there's like a good solid two pages of stuff. So um, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff to get through. Um, an episode ago, or the episode before, I think I think we mentioned that the Crosswise episode was out. I think it was last episode, actually. Uh, we mentioned that we recorded an episode with James and Jay on their Crosswise podcast. Uh, James got that episode out on Monday this week, so that was the 25th today, whatever day that was, on Monday this week. Um, he got the episode out. Um, there's a link in the show notes in the description if you're watching this on YouTube as well. Um, there's no video, it's just an audio version, but we, we had a good chat with those guys about everything Unify. I think they call the episode Unify Appreciation. So... All good. Um, again, there's a link link, link uh, down below to listen to that episode. So, all good. Uh, just a very quick reminder before we get started. Thanks, everyone, who has been listening to this podcast. Me and Evan really look forward to coming back every month to provide our takes on the latest Ubiquity updates. We would really appreciate it if you could review this show in your podcast app of choice, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anything else. If you're watching our gorgeous faces on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment and hit that like button. It really, really helps other people find this show. Without further ado, let's get back to the Ubiquity news. Uh, very first one is, I wrote a piece for my website, The Interface, uh, on the 3rd of January, saying the Ubiquity Solar Point is back for 2024. So we've had a few mentions of the Solar Point over the last few episodes, um, but Ubiquity released uh, 2.0 um, fully GA in the start of, the start of uh, November, um, and then they've they've put the solar point back in stock as of as of January, and it's got a redesigned uh, hardware SKU, so you've got some new logos and things. It's back in stock in the EU as well as of yesterday, I believe. Um, not in stock in the UK, UK just yet, but Ubiquity are advising you can order it from the EU for the UK. Um, but yeah, that's and then also there was some software released today as well, so 2.0.1 beta. So they're really back in it with the Solar Point. Not so much the Solar Switch, but the Solar Point. Definitely, I'm really excited for it. It's really good. Right, and this is the one that's like a charge controller. So basically, the idea is you hook it up to a battery and it monitors power levels. Like that's yep. what this device does, right? That's right. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird seeing the it like it's such an old hardware design in my mind. <laughs> like there's the Edge Point. R6, I think, is it's roughly 10 years old. It, it looks like it's the same enclosure, so they just yeah. slapped the new logo on and put it in stock. I'm glad they still offer this, but yeah, the the entire journey this <laughs> Solar Point uh, product has been on is interesting. Yeah, you could write a book and all the ups and downs of it over the past few years. Um, yeah. It's been out of stock for like two or three years now, um, and obviously it's, it's back in stock now, but I've got one. I've made some videos for the Hostify channel um, too, I think, so far. I've got different builds I've done um, on the property where I live, and yeah, I've got a solar panel hooked up to it. There aren't any, as you said, like the hardware is the same. So um, one of the biggest complaints with stuff the Ubiquiti does with batteries is that they don't support lithium-ion batteries. It's only like lead-acid batteries and gel batteries, and lead-acid batteries don't have a um, as high capacity as lithium-ion, so they they don't run down to zero like phone batteries or car batteries do. They there's like a window of, of charge that they stick with and that's it. And also they're not as capable when it comes to cold temperatures. But again, it's it's really good it's back in stock. Um, there aren't, apart from the mention, what I mentioned with the batteries, there aren't any changes to the amount of uh, wattage you can supply into it, no voltage improvements. Um, they just, it just, it just is rebranded, sort of redesigned slightly and back in stock. So, but judging by some of the... Um, the response to it in the community forums when the software has been released, there's a re relatively positive um, sort of feedback from from Ubiquity bringing this back, so that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mentioned there was 2.0.1 beta, so I've installed this on my solar point this morning, um, and I there isn't much changes. There's just a few bug fixes, like uh, connection time to USB when the device reboots. There's some um, crash reporting now. You can there's some fixes for USB mobile, so very minor release, but it's good that they've got that out there. 
So back and better than ever. <laughs> um, the next one, I noticed this. Uh, I think Cody tweeted out the other day that we've got this promotional thing for the UMVR. I was half expecting this not to be available in the UK, but it's actually available here as well, which is quite interesting. Um, you basically get a free G4 Pro if you purchase a UNVR Pro, I think. Just the Pro, isn't it? Uh, at least in the US, it's for both models. Hmm. Um, so there's no sale, but yeah, they just throw in a free camera. And I noticed, um, I don't know if it was the same time that this promo went live, but there's like a new storage configurator. So there's basically like you slide over how many cameras you have and how many days or hours of yeah. retention like video recording you want to be able to store hmm. and then they'll they'll throw in the hard drives that you need for that it looks like they're just doing i think eight terabytes um hmm. so yeah I, I know before i think you could purchase or add on the hard um the hard drives but now yep. they're they're making it easy to say hey i have 10 cameras i need 30 days of retention give me the storage i need um yeah and then yeah free g g4 pro to sweeten the deal yeah, just checking the G4 Pro with the NVR Pro, and you get a G4 Bullet with the um, NVR, the oh. standard one. So, okay, not bad though. Um, so it's two ninety nine in the US for the NVR uh, standard one. You get a G4 Bullet. I think G4 Bullet's about one hundred and fifty, give or take. Yeah, it's not more. It's more than the G5. So it's a hundred and thirty for the G5, and then for the G4 Bullet, it's one hundred and ninety nine dollars. So you're basically getting a two hundred dollar camera free with a three hundred dollar. Um, NBR, which is really cool. So, yeah, that's that's how they hook you, and then you have to buy more cameras and spend more money on ubiquity yeah. gear. <laughs> but yeah, it's a nice promo, and and like it seems like they're doing more of these kind of things. Like I know the Black Friday sales were kind of a big deal. They had a lot of discounts on what uh, UD, UDM Pro, the Dreamwall, mm. a couple other devices. And I I mean maybe I'm just forgetting, but I, I don't remember them doing discounts and and promo deals and and these kind of things as much. So maybe they're just trying to encourage sales or or just you know get people to you know get some new cameras whatever they're doing but they're they're probably going to be doing more of these kind of things like limited limited time sales and promotions um mm. just to to spur people to upgrade yeah it, it might also be because we've got the g5 pro and the g5 bullet might just getting rid of a few bits of stock they got lying around um because the g as i mentioned the g4 bullet is more expensive so why would you buy one um yeah, and the G5 cameras are weird. Aren't aren't a lot of them kind of cut down models? Yeah. Like I remember looking. I made they're a couple months out of date now, probably. So um, I made protect comparison charts, and I remember comparing the G4 models with the G5. It seems like a lot of them were like they go from a gigabit port down to a hundred meg port, or they go from metal to plastic. Like mm. it seems like it was a cost cutting rather than like a new generation with a better, you know, image quality, whatever. Mm. Um, so maybe yeah, maybe they just have a. a glut of g4 bullets and g4 pros they want to get rid of and that's why they're attacking more into the unvr sales yeah my experience i've got a handful of g5 and g4 bullets around around um and the g5 bullet has a significantly worse microphone in my in my experience hmm. um but the picture quality is just as good and um, but yeah you are right the the certain aspects like the the metal construction is is different the certain aspects of it feel a little bit cheaper um you get a 100 meg port rather than the gig port which for a, a 2k camera isn't a problem really um right. they're probably saving a little bit of money on the ethernet port there marginal but it probably adds up doesn't it so um but i don't know um the only thing for me with the g5 is the microphone it's just a bit dodgy uh, it feels like it's inside something hmm. like it's inside well, that's a, not good it's really really weird, really odd but well just buy a new unvr and you'll get a better microphone with your free g4 camera yeah <laughs> um this one took me by surprise i think marcus uh security head of security ubiquity tweeted this uh yesterday i believe um they the for android at least the new protect application on android now has the ability to specify what ip address your mvr is on rather than going via the cloud broker uh, that's especially important when they have outages with the cloud broker that's hosted with AWS and it means you can still be able to access your device um, this is again locally to the to the uh, controller only you'd be able to do this for a while so if you've got um, if you view your protect cameras on a Mac or Windows PC you could just type in the IP address and get to it but it hasn't worked until now on a mobile phone so it's really good to see yeah and he marcus specifically said uh android's first but this will be coming to ios i guess yes. in the next release so I, yeah. I don't know maybe the next week or two that'll be out mm. um and i'm i wonder if this is a reaction to i think we covered it last time the 
incident where they were showing the wrong notifications and the wrong devices for mm. people that use the um what's the official word unified.ui.com it's the cloud, cloud portal. portal yeah 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 for for that um and and that was yeah until this release that was the only way to access your protect recordings and cameras remotely over a phone even if you had a remote access vpn or mm -hmm. anything the only way was through their system so maybe this is so many people complained about that and yep. kind of drew attention to this. I, I know people have complained about it for a long time, but I think that incident maybe spurred them to finally make this change. Um, mm. But it's great because now, now you're not relying on them. And for people that want to disable remote access, that's that was kind of I think the last thing that would really affect you. So now you yep. can still use your mobile phone away from house as long as you have a VPN to get back. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and I think probably the delay with the iOS stuff is that Apple take a little bit of time to approve things even if they are beta ones they have to go through test flights so um, I'd imagine that's probably where the delay is or they just haven't got rounded in the iOS one just yet um, but yeah I, I notice on you know if I protect if you it, okay, well I reckon 95% of the time you get the little green lightning bolt to say you are local to the device if it picks up that you are local um, it doesn't tend to work across VLANs and stuff because uh, it wants to make sure it can actually get to it directly um, but other than that, it's 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 pretty good. But I'm I'm glad they've done that because there are some people that don't want to enable the cloud stuff, and it's good that I think we mentioned before that there aren't many, if at all, that systems that are entirely local based anymore, apart from Unified Protect. So it's good that they're sort of make it even more local if you want to get off it. So yeah, cool. This next one, um, I saw this the other day actually. The FCC filing for the. Uh, Enterprise Fortress Gateway. I like the sound of that. That sounds something like from Star Wars or something. <laughs> um, so you've put AKA the UDM Enterprise. Do you think this is a a UDM or do you think it's a UXG sort of device? Yeah, I, I think that there's going to be both. both. Um, I, I, it's kind of hard to tell. And yeah, the the branding name of en Enterprise Fortress Gateway, that's new to me. Um, I don't know if we knew about that name before. At least that's no. what they put in the filing and the cover letter yeah um and they describe it as you know there's two gigabit uh, rj45 two 10 gigabit sfp plus and then two 25 gigabit sfp 28 ports mm -hmm. um which you'll find on like the really high-end enterprise switches those are the fastest interfaces you can get in unify yeah and so those six interfaces um i think it's going to be both the basis for a udm enterprise which i think we've seen before and i think that might be what this is and okay. then I think that there's also going to be a UXG, so like no built-in controller version of that with the same hardware and the same interfaces. Okay. So I don't know what Enterprise Fortress Gateway is. It could be the UXG side just because it's gateway. Mm -hmm. um, so either way, I, I think either this will be the UDM or the UXG, and we'll see the other one sometime soon. Yeah, I got the feeling this might be the UXG version because of the there's no switch built in. Right, and I just I don't yeah. understand what they're doing with these names. Um, we'll get to it here shortly, but the um, Swiss Army Knife Ultra. Oh yeah, it's just like I I don't know, but yeah, Enterprise Fortress Gateway. It does sound cool. Mm. Uh, I think what really matters are the interfaces and and the performance, and then obviously we don't oh, yeah. know the price yet. Um, hopefully, it's a reasonable price. Obviously, it'll be more than the UDM Pro or UXG Pro, so maybe pushing a thousand dollars or somewhere around there. Um, mm. But for those that need speed, this will be a nice thing to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you, you said there's some remaining devices as well. Are these from the FCC filings? Are these from, like, thing? I think you found some screenshots or images within the Unify files a while back. So, Yeah, so within the Unified network application, there's a bunch of stuff that people, you can dig into and find mm -hmm. little image files. So that's where we've gotten a lot of leaks. You know, that's, I think, the first time we heard about the the Express or the UXG Lite. Mm. Um, and then Wispapalooza was another one where they kind of pre-announced some products. So we, we kind of have these a couple different ways. There's the FCC and their code and all that, just to know that there's a bunch of other upcoming devices. Some of these might come out soon. Some of them might not be products at all because they also do that where they'll have a device and then not release it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so there's the UXG Enterprise, the UDM Enterprise, um, and then there's the UDM Pro Max, which, judging by the image, it looks like it ha it has at least two hard drive bays. So right, okay. Two versus one on the UDM Pro and UDM mm. SE. Um, it might have the 25 gigabit 
ports or, or just more SFP slots. I'm not sure. It's hard to see. Um, there's the UXG B, which is now labeled as Gateway Max. So that's like the larger version of the UXG Lite. Probably more interfaces, more CPU power. Okay, um, like a, the, mid, a mid. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. kind of in between the the light and the pro they call it gateway max um okay <laughs> then there's the express mesh point which is like the the ux the express but i'm assuming that maybe no no ethernet interfaces maybe it's just a wireless um or maybe no like screen the, yeah maybe no screen maybe yeah. no um interfaces because it's probably just going to be a, a wireless repeater the yep. same way like the um, uh the beacon hd and the u6 mm. extender are they don't have ethernet interfaces so i'm assuming that's what that is going to be <laughs> there's the udr ultra which is like the larger version of the express or, or uh uxg light or or kind of the upgrade from the udr okay um in that same similar little flat device style <laughs> there's three different models of ultra switch i think they're all eight interfaces it looks like there's one without poe one with 60 watts and one with 210 watts so there's okay. gonna be three different eight port <laughs> poe switches in the ultra line and then obviously the U7 Pro is out, but now there's going to be a U7 Enterprise. So, <laughs> of that list, who knows when they're coming or if they're coming, but that's all stuff that I would expect over the next couple months. Um, so, I don't think Ubiquiti is going to be slowing down on new hardware releases anytime soon. No, I think with the Ultra stuff, I think it was, they marketed it, they market, anyway, they, they, they promoted it as, uh, um, it was more cheaper devices, but lots of flexibility in terms of its mounting and functionality. Um, so that might be. I, I can't imagine what they'll do with the EDR. I've no, no idea with that one. But the switch is potentially just more mounting options, more power options. So maybe it's uh, like the maybe the flex branding is sort of being replaced by Ultra potentially. Um, weird marketing. Yeah, I, yeah. It is. It is strange. Uh, I think the UDR Ultra is definitely of that long list. That's probably the one people are most interested in because I okay. know. A lot of people look at the UDR or the older UDM, um, mm -hmm. the base UDM, and they, they want something like that, but just a little bit more. Like they mm -hmm. would want, um, I think the UDR can only run one or maybe now two applications in addition it's to... Itself. It's itself and one other, yeah. Right, but I thought that changed it too. Either way, mm. it, it's limited. Um, yeah. And if you turn on Suricata, it's limited to whatever, 600, 700 megabits per second. Um, so something a little bit more powerful but it's still kind of a small cheaper all-in-one um i think the udr ultra will satisfy a lot of people that are, are looking at that um the ultra switches i'm not sure we'll have to wait and see and then the other stuff the the high-end enterprise and pro max gateway max um I, I think those are kind of expected so it'll be nice to have those more powerful options now that we're seeing the mm. xg light and the express the kind of low-end options yeah with that middle range gateway we used there was this was probably back in like 2015 16 2017 era of ubiquity when we had the one of the guys who was managing unify stuff was called brandon and he used to talk about a lot of the a lot of the stuff that was coming soon i was i was actually in the um alpha group at one point um but i remember there was this product talks about called the usg hd and this was this was exactly what this was going to be this was going to be a it was going to be an edge router 4 or edge router 6 that sort of format but a usg it was going to be sort of in between the usg and the usg pro uh, it's nice to see them going back and then like with the gateway, this the big gateway version they're going to do as well. They, do you remember that there was this XG USG as well that was on sale for maybe nine months and got pulled, and there was some weird issues with it. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, that that was a weird device, and it, um, that's why. Yeah, I, I don't know that all of these are going to be real products. It's just we've you know seen people leak details about these kind of things and seen references to them, so it's possible none of them come out but it's possible mm. all of them do so mm. um i would expect most of these to come out and yeah I, I think as crowded as as crowded and overwhelming as their lineup can be i think these all kind of have mm -hmm. their spot um so yeah, it'd be nice to have more more options for for gateways and stuff like that yeah this this is this isn't in the show notes but there's a very side note because we're talking about routing um chris i can't pronounce his last name chris bolcher Biolcha, I can't remember, but he was—he was, he co-founded PFSense, joined Ubiquiti mm -hmm. a while back. Did you see about a week ago that he left Ubiquiti and has now joined Alter Labs? And what's quite interesting is they've seemed to have got a few ex-Ubiquiti employees. So famously, Matt Hardy, who used to be like head of customer something or other at Ubiquiti, is now working at uh, Alter Labs. So they've sort of got 
like an ex ubiquity sort of thing going on. Um, so he's interestingly joined their team. He, he I think he left ubiquity judging by LinkedIn in November. Um, so he's been sat around for a little, a few months. Um, I guess joining Alter Labs. So it's quite interesting. Um, but you have to see what comes of that. Actually, he left ubiquity in September, so he's had from September to January, sort of out of the game a little bit. Um, but he's been, he was at Ubiquity for seven years, um, and I'm guessing he helped do the UXG stuff, um, as delayed as that was in the end. But it's interesting to see that he's now left. Um, I guess he's achieved yeah. what he wanted to achieve. I, yeah, I, I did see that, and I, I don't know. I didn't hear too much about him before. Uh, I didn't realize he's, what, the founder or co-founder of PFSense, or he yeah. was deeply involved with PFSense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously at Ubiquity for six, seven years, whatever it was. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, kn- I know Alter Labs has been, they've been public saying we're working on, um, I think more, they have a couple switches, they're looking at more switches, and then eventually I think their own gateways, so. That's right, makes, yeah. Makes sense to hi- yeah. hire the guy that has done that. Um, and yeah, I, I, Alter Labs in general is, is really interesting how they do kind of just seem to be a group of ex, I don't mm. think they're all ex-Ubiquity, but a, no, lot, no, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the core members of that uh, company are, uh, and they're, they're doing some interesting stuff, so yeah. Uh, Good, good for them for hiring the, the the right guy to do that, and uh, I'll be curious what they release. Yeah, fantastic. Um, there were some upcoming changes to the Ubiquity Two FA system that they announced. This is really good for security. Um, they've, I think this was Marcus again that announced this announced this the other day, and he there's also a community post as well. Uh, as of July 2024, um, they are going to be force enabling or sort of mandating that uh, MFA or Two FA is enabled on everyone's accounts. Um, so that's either that be they're recommended UI verify that that dedicated app, but you can use any sort of TOTP system, like the the QR code and generating some codes. And then what happens is on July twenty second, they'll uh, force enable it. If you haven't enabled anything by then, they'll just set up your email address as a as a, a secondary backup. That would be your um, uh, that'll be your form of MFA from, from that going forward. Um, it's interesting. There were some people that I think Chris. Um, Chris Sherwood was saying it'd be good if they did pass keys. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really understand pass keys when Ubiquiti was when when Apple announced it or announced support for it either last year or the year before. Um, but since then, like a lot of the stuff I've been using, like eBay, um, I think some other other apps I've been using as well, all use pass keys. So you just use Touch ID or whatever to sign into your account. That'd be quite a good addition. Um, I'd imagine that might get a bit messy with supporting it on the Dream Machines and signing in that way, but. Really good that they're sort of mandating, especially with the security issues they've had over the years. Um, it's just a, another line of defense, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're mandating it. Um, I've had it on for as long as I can remember, oh, yeah. probably as long as it's been an option and everyone should, so it's yep. good that they're enforcing it. Um, I'm curious about passkeys. I don't know too much about that. Um, and I think Chris was asking about like hardware. Like the I, I know of the UB key, which is mm. like a little USB stick, basically to prove your identity that way with a physical device. Um, but yeah, I, I think they have enough options between email, oh, yeah. UI verify, uh, any yeah, what was it TOTP, whatever. Yeah, time based. Uh, yep. Yeah, so they they have plenty of options, and they'll probably add more. And I'm glad that they're enforcing it because everyone, <laughs> especially if if you're listening to this, you should have yes two uh, FA on. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, passkeys are interesting. I I don't know the technicalities of how it's working behind the scenes, but it's essentially like I think it's a token. So you, you can it's a, like it's basically like passwordless sign in, and it uses your iCloud password manager, and it's also open source. So I think Microsoft Edge supports it. I think Chrome supports it. That was the other thing I was going to mention. Google accounts support it now as well. So you can just mm-hmm. use uh, Touch ID or whatever biometrics you've got on your machine or phone it signs on automatically and somehow securely it's all synced um and it's quite interesting that quite quickly that um platforms like apple and microsoft have uh, adopted support for it and then a lot of websites have now got support for it as well um i think twitter or sorry x has just announced support for it in the us um as of yesterday i think uh, interesting not worldwide just us only um, but it's good to see that it's rolling out because it's it's i think someone mentioned it's also um phishing proof because it doesn't use the somehow it's phishing proof um i'm not entirely sure how but it it looks a lot a lot a next generation of using passwords on online so it's really good yeah i, I don't know too much about the technical details yeah I don't know um, so i'll leave that to other people but yeah. I, I do know yeah it's basically you can prove your identity rather than 
you know, hopefully a, a long random string of text as a password. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, you're, you're proving it through, you know, biometrics. So either your hardware or your finger going on a, a fingerprint sensor or face scan, whatever. Yep. And then, yeah, magic happens behind the scene and you get securely logged in. So I, I'm happy to see anything yeah, to yeah. make pass- passwords less yep. uh, less of the, you know, main, main point of securing an account. Yeah. Cool. That's all the like overview of the news. We're going to now get onto the the hardware section and the software sections. We've got dedicated sections in this episode. Um, the first of many hard, the first of the many products of hardware they've announced is the very first Ultra device. As I mentioned earlier in the show, the Ultra is their sort of lower end range of devices. Weird naming, but um, it is what it is. This one um, is the UK Ultra. So when I first saw that announced, I was like, what? They're announcing something specifically for the UK, but no, it's just like a weird skew for the device. Um, yeah, Swiss Army Knife Ultra. Um, I've, you've got one. I've got one in a box. I'm yet to do a video on, um, but I think you've... I haven't even opened it, but I think you've had a play around with the one you've got. It's uh, Yeah. Yeah, besides... I mean, it's it's a unique form factor. Oh, yeah. Um, I have the box somewhere. I don't know. It's off to the side. Um, but yeah, so it's... It's a very strange, you know, just naming wise and mm-hmm. product wise. Um, and it, it is, if you look at, um, they have a help page about which generation of access point you have. Okay. Um, and I think the first ones are all retired. I think the second gen is like the AC Lite, the AC Pro. And this is a second generation. <laughs> so this is just like, it's like the AC mesh in like a different enclosure is basically my understanding. So it has kind huh. of the same, it's a Wi-Fi 5 access point it has basically the same if not identical um radio specifications to the ac mesh um which is still for sale but that's a you know ac wave one Mm. uh several year old access point and this is a brand new device with the same configuration radio wise and it's i think the most interesting part of it besides the weird name um are the accessories so they showed off the little dock you can put it in um Mm. i think I don't know if we've seen that released yet, but that's going to be no. basically like an external antenna or like a kind of like a docking station for it. Uh, and they are going to do an external antenna attachment that sits on the front and kind of, it's kind of like the AC mesh and the, what is it? UMAD. That's um, right. Yep. Yeah. That's the external antenna for the AC mesh. So it's going to be more directional. So that'll be good for kind of like outdoor long distance coverage. Hmm. So it's kind of a bummer. It's not Wi-Fi six. I know a lot of people complain about that and we're making jokes about that because it's ultra, which sounds like it's a fancy new high-end thing but it's actually kind of an old product in a new package um but the accessories are are probably the most interesting part of it yeah like you could liken it to se like with the what dji do or apple do with the iphone like it's just sort of yeah it's you know what i mean they've got the bunny ear i call them bunny ear antennas but you've got little the pick like the little antenna things that go on the top they look identical to the uapm uap ac mesh ones um, you can mount it on a wall, a ceiling, uh, and a little dock thing. I'll put some pictures on screen and stuff, uh, and a pole and whatever. It's all weatherproof and stuff. Um, what's weird is when when it was announced, it was one hundred and nine dollars, and about a day later, it was dropped to eighty nine dollars, which was which was quite funny. So they sort of dropped the price within a day of launching it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they did that. I think for eighty nine, I mean twenty bucks, um, unless you're buying these in bulk, that's not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think eighty nine is probably the more appropriate price. Maybe they they saw the initial reaction of like Wi Fi five. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, like what? And then maybe they just did that. Um, oh, it may have been a typo. I don't know. But yeah, maybe. So yeah, so it's it's you say it's like the AC mesh sort of in a different skin, kind of. It's even it's kind of worse than it because it's well, it's ten dollars cheaper, which is for a start. This says the um, AC mesh can do two fifty devices, at 100, one one thousand five hundred foot squared. And then the Swiss Army one can do 1250 foot squared with 200 devices, so it's ever so slightly worse. Um, but it, I don't know, I I can't think of a scenario where this would be quite useful. I don't know why you would pick it over something else. I, well, I, I, sure. yeah, that to me, it's I, I, they're maybe with that weird branding, they're trying to say it's flexible. You can use it in yeah, different yeah. areas, like you could use it indoors, outdoors. Yeah, that's um, true. With the accessory, like I know for a lot of people that are trying to cover a backyard, mm. they'll have either a U6 mesh or an AC mesh mm. or an AC mesh pro. This would be another option, especially if you're trying to do with the external antenna or the, yeah. you know, any other antenna. 
um, just long long distance outdoor coverage. But mm. there's now what three or four different options for that, and this is kind of it kind of overlaps with the other one, so it's it's all very strange. Yeah, I can see it's it, it's just a new AC mesh then in that case. Um, so I've used the UMAD before. I'm getting that thing mounted and getting the little pigtail coax leads not to be bent or in a straight line and getting everything mounted correctly. A little bit awkward. I can imagine if you're trying to feed a backyard, um, that looks a bit in your face. So having it all in one place is a bit nicer. And then also what what's quite important about, what's quite useful about having the directional antenna is if you've got a, a room that's behind the AP that's outside and it's not directional, you might sort of get leak inside the building and then you get devices to try and hop onto it. Um, so that is a useful thing to having a directional antenna and it's 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 a bit of a cleaner cleaner design um yeah in my opinion they should have just na- renamed this was like the new ac mesh in my opinion but they don't tend to do that do they they don't tend to have a new version of an existing name it's always always has to be a new name so yeah yeah and that, like it'd be nice if this was obviously at, at a minimum wi-fi 6 but this is 802.11 ac wi-fi mm. 5 um for the areas this is probably going to be used like if you're if you're in your backyard 50 feet away from your ap you're not going to be getting the top end wi-fi 6 speeds anyway so it's probably not a big deal um but it's still just it's disappointing to see a new product with such an old standard um especially Mm. because they they literally label it second generation so it fits in with all the other ac stuff they have so yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Maybe, that. maybe we'll see a maybe we'll see a UK Ultra Plus with Wi-Fi six or, or something. Who knows? Yeah, and then the the second generation Wi-Fi six stuff I think came out. Sorry, Wi-Fi AC stuff came out in like 2016. I think I think that's when the first stuff of that was launched. So a little while ago now. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, strange. But uh, I'm yet to open mine. Yet to do a video on it. So I'll do that at some point. Um, there's some again like. I like to I love to focus on the UISP side of Ubiquiti because it is sort of a little bit niche now, um, but it's, it's always interesting when there's a new a new line or something launched within that space. This is the UISP Switch Plus. It's got a matching little house for it as well with the Box Plus um, sort of outdoor enclosure for it, which is, looks quite nice. And this one is interesting. It's got four Ethernet ports and four SFP Plus ports. And again, this would be... I was trying to rack my brains about what scenario, but one thing I could think of was the um, UISP Wave uh, AP. That's got SFP uplink and also Ethernet for power. This would be absolutely perfect. You could run two cables up to the tower. Um, yeah, you, well, you could in theory. You could run two cables up, one for power, one for uplink with SFP, and you can power three uh, UISP uh, Wave APs off this. So that's really good. Um, looks quite nice as well. Yeah, so the the four Ethernet ports are 2.5 gig, yep. which is nice to see. Um, the UISP switch, the non-plus, the, the basic version, it's really cheap, really small, and it, I think it's, what, 6 or 8 gigabit? Yeah, it's 8 gigabit ports mm. and a single 1 gig SFP backhaul. Yeah. Um, so the Switch Plus, it's over twice the price. It's it's three ninety nine, but yeah. you get those four two and a half gig ports and the four ten gig SFP, so you could use that for backhaul. Um, or I know a lot of high end radios. You said the some of the wave um, APs they have ten gig SFP. They do. Look. Yes, yeah. I believe the wave AP does. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Right, because I think those those can get well beyond two and a half gigs of oh, throughput yeah. realistically, uh, especially over a short link. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to have ten gig backhaul and ten gig to your AP. Yep. Um, for the first time, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I wonder if there's any other. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting for like six gig, uh, point to mo- uh, mm. sorry six gigahertz, um, point to multi point and and point to point radios. They do do this. They're they're really leaned into the sixty gigahertz, but they haven't really done like Wi-Fi six E six gigahertz, um, which I know like Cambium and a lot of others have. Yep. So hopefully we'll see more of that. But yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm always happy to see some movement yeah. on the UISP side and this kind of came out of nowhere yeah uh, in terms of other devices you've got the Air Fiber 60XR XG and HD those all are backhaul devices and they take uh, 10 gig SFP in so you could in theory have one cable going up from your power to this box the UISP box plus have one backhaul and then three APs if you want to do that sort of a very simple setup um, and we 
all enclosed or not so much long runs and stuff. Um, be quite a nice sort of small enclosure. Um, and it looks like when you buy the USB Box Plus, it comes with a fiber strain relief kit. And that's another another standalone product that it, that you've actually got as well. It's sort of like a little loopy thing that you've run the fiber cable through to sort of take the strain, and it sort of has less strain on because obviously fiber cables are glass. So yeah, and it works with the the transport power, which yes. um, yeah, yeah. The the places I see this being used on, or at least in my experience as a Wisp, like y you need to have DC power input. Um, you need some sort of battery backup solution. Transport mm -hmm. kind of solves that. Um, so it's nice that they're kind of building out that ecosystem. And I think for a little small install with a couple radios on a roof or wherever you're putting them, um, this is a nice, nice option to consider. Oh yeah. And then I wish they had this when I was working at the Wisp, um, cause it's getting, <laughs> getting notifications from the system. Got the USB power pro as well. So this would be like your bigger installs, USB power for like a micro pop sort of thing. Uh, and you can power this. I think the little one's got a lithium ion battery built in. And then, yeah, you can also have a 24-volt lead acid on, on as well. Yeah, it's got a 115-watt-hour lithium-ion battery. So it's, there's lots of, like, wispy stuff um, that still exists within Ubiquiti, which is really nice. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've, I love the look at that. I, I've yet to see any wisps use the new stuff. Um, but, yeah, I'd imagine that, especially in, especially in the US, there's lots of loads of wisps, way more than there are in the UK. Um so it's really good options for that. So that's awesome. This next one, um, this this one was kind of leaked accidentally by Chris. Um, I think he he published a I think he timed a blog post by accident, um, and it, it and it the blog post he had launched this about a week or two before it should have done. Um, not a massive issue issue, but this is the first H two dot eleven be, and I think the same day this was announced, the Wi Fi Alliance signed off the IEEE standard for this as well. Uh, so Wi-Fi 7 um, H2.11BE um, this is a, I think TP-Link have launched we, I think we talked about this before Like, don't buy anything that hasn't been certified because you, you, you're not too sure what's going to happen to it especially with like stuff we learned from the from in 2013 with AC. There was stuff coming out before the thing had been signed off and you got some sort of um, what's the word for it? Sort of devices that aren't quite up to spec and then they're just stuck with it so this one looks interesting. You've got you've got one as well. I haven't been able to order one just yet in the UK, but you've you've got a U7 Pro as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, Wi-Fi seven. So yeah, I mean, the same thing happened with um, Wi-Fi six, Wi-Fi six E, Wi-Fi five. Yeah, um, the way yeah the eight hundred two out eleven committee kind of comes together, and and they they're the ones that make the standard. Mm -hmm. So they go through a long multi year process where they kind of have draft draft revisions of this and yep. what always happens is um the like qualcomm's mediatek's the like underlying component people start making radios based off the that first draft uh and then they go from there so then there's mm -hmm. usually multiple drafts and you know qualcomm keeps kind of making more and more chips uh and then eventually yeah like i, I know tp link was very early on that train where i think they were one of the first it was mm. early last year i want to say early 2023 so. where they said hey we have wi-fi 7 stuff based off the draft um but yes now on the day they launched the u7 pro the wi-fi alliance they're the kind of third party that certifies compatibility between devices they started certifying wi-fi 7 devices mm -hmm. and that was the day they launched that um the Wi-Fi 7 draft or the Wi-Fi 7 standard still isn't finalized. They're oh, really? kind of, I think they're on like draft four or five. And by then, like most things are decided, they're still probably fighting about little. Usually they argue about like what things are mandatory versus optional. Okay. But we know what the standard is. You can start building hardware because there's long lead times there. Yep. So Qualcomm's been making Wi-Fi 7 stuff for probably two years and maybe a few features are missing. Um, and there might be something on the U7 Pro just because it was probably developed during yeah, that, yeah. that draft um, there might be something different with later Wi-Fi 7 devices. But we're starting to see a lot of networking side devices. We haven't seen a lot of client side devices. So I know I, I was trying to buy like a PCIe card to start testing Wi-Fi 7. Um, <laughs> I won't bore you with the details, but Intel is making that a little bit difficult. And it's not really easy to get like a cell phone with Wi-Fi 7 in it or all that. That'll probably be all this year. Um, but yeah, now we have a Wi-Fi 7 AP if you want to get ready for when Wi-Fi 7 devices are, are more common. 
Yeah, there's a few things that haven't come just yet. So, I think some people are disappointed that this doesn't have two by sorry, it only has two by two MIMO. Um, but personally, I've noticed that um, some devices from well, from Apple, for example, they they used to have three by three, four by four MIMO, and they've gone away from that just into two by two. I think the just judging from what people are, what companies are doing, I think it's less important possibly. Um, potentially, I'm not not 100% sure, but I'd imagine that they're saving that for the enterprise stuff. But I haven't seen many devices lately that have any more than 2x2 two two MIMO, personally. So There's still advantages to having more spatial streams on yeah, the yeah. AP side, um, most notably like beamforming um, and aggregate throughput. So yes, uh, your single client connection to your single laptop or single phone, it'll only be a 2x2, two two, you know, to send and to receive radios mm -hmm. active at the same time. Um, but when you have like a 4x4 four four AP, like the U6 Enterprise or what, U6 Pro, um, those can help performance in, in more ways than just a faster speed test result on your you know single device. Um, I, and yeah, I saw so many people say, this is a disappointing device. It only, you know, it is a tri-radio. So it does have a 2.4, a 5, and a 6 gigahertz radio. Um, but each is only two spatial streams. So it's two by two for mm. all three of those. And that is actually my kind of counter argument of that is that's in line with what the, the pro is. So if you yep. look at the U6 pro, it's six spatial streams. It's just a two by two, 2.4 and a four by four, five gigahertz. Um, so this adds all the spectrum that comes with six gigahertz. It adds a whole third radio for you to connect to. It's just six spatial streams spread over three radios rather than two. So we'll see, a, I'm sure soon uh, Soon we'll see a, a U7 Enterprise, mm -hmm. and that'll satisfy the people that say <laughs> two by two and eh, not, not good enough. Um, but I, I think for the, I think it's what, $30 more than the, the U6 Enterprise? I think it so. It adds yeah. six gigahertz. It adds um, everything that comes with the Wi-Fi 7 standard, which is like higher data rates, wider channels, um, multi-link capability. I know they mentioned that's coming in a future software update. So there's there's a lot of good things and and i think it's a appropriate name and appropriate price even though a lot of people saw it and was like eh, it's only two by two not good enough yeah that, that multi-link operation mlo is quite interesting it basically means that a device can send and receive on well usually they'd send and receive on one frequency so five gigahertz or two gigahertz now they can send on five and receive on 2.4 if there's any weird interference because sometimes the not so much in Wi-Fi, but more more about in point-to-point -point stuff. But there might be a different Wi-Fi environment at where the client is compared to where the AP is. So that's quite cool. Uh, I can see that um, being really, really good for very quite dense environments where there might be a lot of interference in one particular area of the office or something. So that's quite cool. They, they said that's coming in February, so not too long for that one. So all good. Yeah, multi-link is probably the most exciting thing for me mm. about Wi-Fi 7. Um, and yeah, it's. I'm still trying to like read through white papers and understand it all. But from what I understand, like that that's the big feature of Wi-Fi Seven. That's one of the big reasons to consider spending the extra thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned, there aren't many devices. Well, there aren't, there aren't any. There's not many really that support Wi-Fi Seven at a client's perspective. So you're not going to get anything from upgrading from U6 Pro to U7 Pro at all. So not at the moment, anyway. So. Cool. Um, this next one is so you've got Ubiquiti have got their own little rack, like Ubiquiti branded mini rack. It's cost two ninety nine. Um, you can stack in various stuff, and they've announced this little sixty nine dollar option thing that will allow you to stack two mini racks together to be to to form one big one. And they've got a little little picture down here. It looks like something you'd find in a in a chef's kitchen or something. But <laughs> those like table things. Um, but yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, Again, the UK, the use case of this potentially, I couldn't imagine many reasons to get it. Possibly over a proper permanent installation, I don't understand why you need twelve devices on, on wheels. But I'm sure there's a reason for it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the whole the toolless mini rack. It's I, the whole gimmick is that it's toolless like you can just it it, it kind of looks like you could slide in like a, a baking tray yeah 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 <laughs> so i know like um at like subway at least they have like that's how they make their bread they just have those baking trays slide in so it, it almost literally looks like that like you get six u's and a little cabinet on wheels the 
the idea of buying this extender kit and then adding six more U at that point, it's what 700 bucks or something. Like yeah. I'd, I'd rather have a, a cabinet from a different vendor. Um, there's way more variety. Uh, and, and like, to me, I'd want it to be enclosed. Mm. This is just totally, you know, there's no dust filtering. There's no protection of the device. They're just literally sitting there. So yep. it's for a narrow use case. If you want something that looks really nice, like this does look pretty, and if you need more than six U, there you go. But um, I think in general, this is only going to satisfy a, a very specific person looking for a very specific thing, and you'll probably have better luck looking for a rack from from someone else and sticking your your gear in there. But yeah, um, yeah. Other than that, it is it all, as you said, it will all match with other stuff. So you got the OCD panels, you got the patch panels are all branded, uh, sort of color matched to everything else. So it's if you're after that aesthetic sort of thing then yeah go for it and it's yeah you're all right it'd be like six hundred dollars plus basic that uh, nearly seven hundred dollars yeah for the whole thing which seems like quite a bit so but it looks awesome yeah <laughs> that's what that matters <laughs> right um this next one is i've labeled this as the big boy <laughs> it's the usp pdu hd and this is a it's a 32 i think it's a 32 u um is that right? That's I think I put the wrong link in there. Power distribution, high density, yes. Yeah, uh, 30, 36 U racks and toilet supports. It goes down the length of the of a rack, like a proper permanent installation. And it's got 24 AC ports that are all remotely resettable, um, four USB-C ports, and it looks like it's got um, two different circuits on it, so you can power it separately twice, and then you can reset different different circuits i believe it's a thousand dollars in the u.s it's not available in the uk because it's got the the north american uh, plugs on there and at the, at the moment you basically haven't expanded their power solutions outside of the u.s and canada so it's interesting um i can see this being quite useful actually this if you want to if you've got this on data center i want to reset stuff the market for at the moment the market for sort of resettable power outlets is a little bit weird there's some interesting products i found out there over the years, um, it's not quite as seamless as what Ubiquiti would offer. But this is this is quite cool, to be honest. Yeah, and of course, not compatible with the rack we just talked about because it, it's. <laughs> no. I think it mentions like thirty six U's of space yeah. uh, meant to be like on a you know floor to ceiling like forty two U big cabinet. Yeah, um, yeah. So you'd have to buy your cabinet from someone else, but then you could use this. I yeah, the remote control outlets that you can toggle on and off. Um, pretty interesting. Then they have USB C power out. Mm -hmm. I guess for. You know, Ubiquiti has several devices that you could power via USB-C, so you could power yep. it there. And then they have a bunch of Ethernet uh, interfaces and a little um, little touchscreen like they have on the, the Switches mm. and the UDM Pro. Um, so, yeah, it's very... <laughs> fits the aesthetic of silver and fancy and nice. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think there's some some actual use cases there that, that oh, yeah. this would be really handy for. Um, there's obviously other vendors that have more variety for power input, power output... Um, but having 24 controllable outlets and all the other stuff that's on here, pretty nice. Yeah, they got three ether they got four Ethernet ports, one's for management, and they've got three that are labeled for network redundancy. If you, if you go on the store page and click on build features, they've got like a zoomed-in version of the rack. Um, I think this is for the um, high availability stuff they're working on, uh, personally. They haven't mentioned anything else in the spec sheet apart from just in this picture that says network redundancy, but I think this will play nicely into their... Uh, high availability uh, combination router stuff they're going to do it sometime. yeah like if, if you have two UDM well, I, I think it's UDM Pro and UDM SE are the yep. only two maybe um, yep. that have the shadow mode so you have two physical mm. pieces of hardware there and one cable from each that would be um, that would be what those are for I would think yeah I think I think this is more the, the shadow mode is like uh, you have to do a manual swap I think this is more about they announced it with the PDU Pro. It's more about high availability. Um, so w with that one in the mm -hmm. video, they put, they said that you plug the WAN, the WAN connection into the PDU Pro, and then you have two outlets to the uh, two Dream Machines, and it should, in theory, have high availability. That isn't anywhere near any software release or anything. They haven't talked about it apart from a little video clip they released a while back and the spec sheet for the PDU Pro. I'd imagine that's what that's for. They're just probably just working on it. Um, that will come later, I'd imagine. So, yeah, it, it'll. It's weird that it, it'll act as like kind of like a little switch, basically mm. in front of in front of your two yeah, firewalls. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
And yeah, I would assume shadow mode is going to expand because right now it's only a manual cable swap, but eventually they're going to have basically kind of load balancing mm. or, or automated failover, I would assume. So I'd hope so, this, yeah. This is another piece to that puzzle. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we discussed it maybe November or December episode. I think it was December. Um, may even before that. That they announced... Um, Unified Talk for the UK. So this was yeah, it's November. Uh, it was 2.2.0. This was back in uh, when was this? This was 14th of November. It was released a beta uh, with UK support initially. Uh, UK support initially, um, and then just in uh, 9th of January uh, they announced 2.2.3, and this is officially brought uh, UK support for Unified Talk um, to GA, which is really cool. I've had a little chance to play around with it. Um, we're missing core porting at the moment. Um, but it has got advanced core routing, which will make it work with Starlink a lot better and over 5G and stuff. But yeah, I'm just just waiting on the core port uh, number porting to come first, and I'll probably move my stuff over to it. So it's all good. Yeah, weird they weird they launched without call porting. That mm. seems kind of like a a pretty core thing that people are going to be looking for. But yeah, it's great to see finally UK support, so you can <laughs> switch to it. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't know many residential people who are using landline proper phones anymore, um, but in businesses they are because they want that number to ring and stuff. Um, and generally, they want that number to be well, small businesses anyway. They want that, that number they've had for ages to be retained. Maybe new businesses that are setting up a new phone system from scratch, then yeah, that's that's perfect because they can pick a number from the list and buy it there. And all the different counties in the UK, you can choose one from. Um, but yeah, number porting. I'd imagine there's some sort of infrastructure and things to take place because you've got to have those communication channels between existing providers in the country and also uh, ubiquity as well so i'd imagine that'll come up at some point um but yeah they haven't said when but it'll say as soon as possible so but other than that it all looks pretty good uh core performance is quite good um the, there's a latency ticker on here and the latency seems pretty good um in terms of the nearest one the core quality is a bit interesting uh, I did some test calls and took some rec like the recording feature, listened to them back. It sounded like, sound very quiet, um, and that was with the uh, Flex phone and the ATA. So I've got like this um, deck phone that's that's compatible with ATA. It just seems a bit off, so I imagine that's that's being worked on. But other than that, it's good to see it. And uh, now we've got Unified Talk in the UK, Canada, and the USA. So that's really good. Um, so this yeah. next this next one is Unify OS 3.2.9. Uh, and it's got the support for the shadow mode, which you mentioned just now. Um, and this is going to be... Uh, this is out right now. Um, and yeah, the shadow mode looks pretty interesting. But there's some other features as well, like SFP compatibility. They don't have an EEP ROM. Not sure what that is. But yeah, there's um, some nice features in there. So that's pretty good. Yeah, nice bug fix. And then the other one, um, <laughs> ever since the Express was released, it was released with, oh, good Lord, 3.1 dot something. Okay. All, all the um, features that came with 3.2 weren't mm. on the Express at launch. And I was looking uh, for a while to see a 3.2 or any sort of update for the Express. And finally, we got that. We got um, uh, early access release of 3.2.5. Um, so this is the first time in, what, over two months since mm. launch that we're seeing another software update. And that brings all the stuff that has um, that's part of um, 3.2, which is for the Express. It's IGMP proxy, VLAN magic, DNS shield, um, hostname support for IPsec, site-to-site, -site, VPNs, nice. and, of course, a bunch of bug fixes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still... <laughs> I didn't really... F or I'm kind of, like, halfway finished on my Express review. I don't <laughs> know if I'll finish it or not, but this is a nice thing to have. Uh, and I'll, I'll be testing this out, but it, it's good to see that finally we have a 3.2 release for the Express. Yeah, I did try and order a, a Unify Express a while ago, and it said no, I couldn't. But now it's recommending order it from the EU instead, which I might I might do, actually. Um, hmm. So yeah, I might do that instead. Um, I've also got an EA release of UXG 3.2.11. This is for UXG Lite and a UXG Pro. This is bought, again, some of the features you just mentioned, like uh, DNS Shield, um, for the UXG, the UXG devices loop protection, which we've mentioned before on the show as well, uh, some stability features again, hostname support, and they've updated Suricata to six zero twelve, and lots of other bug fixes which you can find in the release notes as well. So that's really good to see them marching on with the UXG stuff. Um, I when I saw this added to the show notes, I forgot that we didn't mention it because it's it, um, 
but it's it's EdgeRooter 3.0.3. Uh, sorry, 3.0.0. We mentioned the EdgeRooter 3 sort of GUI revamp. I think last episode. This is a RC.6 release. Um, yeah, lots of little fixes in here. I have noticed with the. I don't know if you tried it. Um, you can get to the local GUI of the Edge Router from UISP directly. I have mm-hmm. it works with the one I'm trying to use, but it doesn't load in the UI properly. Like it loads in about fifty percent of the way, and none of the things move on the screen. I don't know if you've seen that with yours, but yeah, I well I, the reason yeah I, I put this yeah. one and then the UISP router five preview. Yeah. But those are kind of tied together. I, I think the mm. first RC or the earlier RC for the um, edge router was yeah maybe November December mm. but they, they have a new build and yeah I, I tried it and had a few I didn't have the same issue you had with the, the UI not loading but there was a couple weird things yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah just just the fact that they're you know th- hopefully 3.0.0 will come out soon mm. this is still even before EA I think they're saying by or, or is it a release candidate um, but either way 3.0.0 is not finished <laughs> and the UISP router 5.0.0 there's a lot of zeros um, yep. it, it, it kind of builds the same features in where it adds a local web interface um, and it, it adds IPsec and, and WireGuard VPNs, which um, I, I think is long overdue because the UISP router is very kind of feature poor in, mm. in comparison to the Edge router. But I'm, I'm happy that both of these are, are moving along and hopefully they'll be they'll be finalized and official soon. Yeah, um, just, this is a screenshot of the UISP uh, router GUI as well. It looks quite nice. looks a lot obviously looks a lot plainer than the edge router one but it, it looks a lot nicer aesthetically um speaking so I don't, I, it's good that they're getting on with that and it's it just means that the one step further to becoming uisp overtaking edge router at some point yeah <laughs> give it a couple more years yeah i know <laughs> um but yeah there's a yeah and you can yeah you mentioned you could also do the remote access thing via usp so it's like port forwarding kind of thing i'm not sure how it's working but um the one I was trying with was an Edgerita X. I'm not sure if it's quite CPU intensive to forward its GUI uh, sort of over NAT, but we'll we'll see if they get it working um, a bit better than it is now. So yeah, and this this was the silly one. I just I saw this and kind of chuckled, so I chucked it in. But um, Connect 3.5.6 adds hmm. they call it YouTube mode. Hmm. So Connect all I I've never really had I've never had any of the devices I've never used it, but I know that they're mostly the little touchscreen things and i know cody's had some videos about them but now this allows you to use these big ipad looking things to display youtube videos so i'd assume if you have one in your waiting room you could have you know promo videos and then people could check in with that little tablet i'm not sure what the use case is i just love Mm. that they added youtube mode (laughs) yeah i just i've got a unify connect cast uh, on the table to to open and review. Um, haven't played with any Unify Connect stuff yet, so I'm interested to see what it all does. Um, but there's some other bug fixes in there for the EV station uh, stuff in there. But yeah, it's interesting they got YouTube mode. I'd yeah, I'd, I'd imagine like you said the the displays. Um, yeah, or yeah, that's uh, the other thing. Connect. Um, for, they tie into that uh, e, you know EV charger. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could have basically. I, I'm viewing it as like your business, and you need to have kind of like while while someone's not using it you just kind of have like a background video playing so it's mm. advertising hey you can charge your car here yeah yeah, or, yeah. you know the pricing there, there's probably reasons for it yeah um and it's another use case to have connect yeah it's quite cool youtube mode <laughs> um yeah you can watch the next episode of your ui chat on the unify connect if there you want you, so there you go there you go uh this next one is wi-fi man desktop this is initial support for windows um and it's got Discovery Tour, it's got Teleport VPN. You've been able to do all those things on macOS before. It's just they've now got it on Windows, so you can do all those various things. You can download the tool there. Um, this sort of goes kind of head-to-head with the Hostify tool that we've got. Um, we've got not the features of the VPN stuff, we've got the Discovery Tool and the adopting process. Uh, so it's interesting to see how, how we're developing it alongside what you're actually doing with Wi-Fi Man. But it's interesting to see they've got um, Windows support now, which is awesome. Yeah, and that was a long promise thing. So another thing that like, it's it's kind of a finally, but also very nice to see. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's so Wi-Fi Man. I know on it seems to be a few different things on a phone. It has like the Wi-Fi um, scanning and mm-hmm. and like shows your signal strength and throughput. Yep. And then on Windows and Mac OS, it ties into what Teleport VPN. I don't, does it tie into Identity as well? No. So this is this is like just a consumer version of VPN stuff. Okay. 
so it's got one yeah it's got one click vpn but not identity it's, it's more the consumer stuff like uh, adoption mm. back to your um sorry vpn connection back to udm if you want to but it's more just home use and stuff so yeah and the hostify discovery tool i've i've seen a few things about that uh yeah very interesting i i know um riley wanted to do that for a while yeah um and it, yeah handy handy little tool to just you know i guess if you're setting up devices or just trying to see what's on the network um check that out yeah definitely um, got two releases for Unified Network. Got 8026 and 8028. 8026 um, is. There's a beta release that came out uh, December 21st, and then that got released to GA on the 28th of December, so pretty quickly afterwards. And then that fixed, a one, of, that fixed one or two things to do with. WAN configurations, which is pretty important, and then also eight zero two eight went GA three days ago on January twenty second, uh, and that's got a lot of other features in there, which is quite interesting. So, um, yeah, all good. Yeah, and this is, this is probably the end of the line for eight dot um, So I'm, I'm, or maybe they'll have another bug bug fix or two. But I'm curious yeah. what eight dot one or whatever their next train is, and Be usually that's when they, yeah, <laughs> move, yeah, move to ten. Why not skip nine? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm assuming we'll start to see more feature releases soon. Um, but yeah, just just patching some bugs right now. Yeah, fantastic. Um, that's all the news we got. We got we had a lot to get through. Um, <laughs> is there anything else? Well, we got some stuff in the list. There's some stuff we've been working on for our own stuff. So, what things have you been working on recently that you want people to check out? Um, yeah. So, besides the holidays, um, I also I had COVID. <laughs> I I tested positive Christmas night uh the evening of the 25th oh, no. so that was a, a good week of not really being productive and then i was on vacation so I, I haven't had too much time but i did finally finish up my uxg light review nice. um which I, I tried to go into an annoying amount of depth on i do have i'm, I'm kind of still finishing my express review um and i'll probably have to rework some stuff now that 3.2.5 is out um but then i also did a, a quick little preview of the u7 pro um, but I know you did the what year in review? Yeah, so I did it last year as well. I did um, basically it's just a big list of all the stuff they released in the year. Um, so it was, it was a lot. There was a lot actually. It's a good chunk of stuff. I think May was probably the biggest month they had. There was judging by I think probably eight or nine, ten different things, all of them products, uh, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, basically a big a big year in review. My take on what I thought of the of the year. So it's. I like to do that at the end of the year. I started doing it last year, and um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I checked it out, and it was seeing the list is kind of overwhelming because yeah, yeah it's like I forgot about so many of those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was interesting to see it all laid out there. Like they did so much last year, and they've done even in the last month they've done so yep. much. Um, so I don't know if they'll ever slow down, and probably yep. the year in review for twenty twenty four is probably going to be even longer. I'd, I would assume. Um, your UX Shira Light review. Can you explain this? What's this monkey's paw thing? I did Google it, but I couldn't work out what it was in reference to. Um, so it's it's a famous short story that's been readapted. Um, I think I originally saw it on a, a really old episode of um, Oh Good Lord, what's that? Uh, the Twilight Zone. Okay. <laughs> but it's like it's an even older uh, short story, and it's been readapted and retold. Um, but it's basically this guy finds this monkey paw. And the monkey's paw is cursed, so it, it grants him wishes, but it, it grants them wishes in a way that comes with consequences. Um, so he like asks for money, and I think his his son dies, and he gets paid from that. So like it's right. it's like you get what you want, but there's also, you know, some some crap that comes along with it. Mm. Um, so that's kind of my very silly way of, of looking at the UXG light, where it's like we have been asking for for four years we need a uxg or sorry a new usg um and yes we got that but now it's this kind of cut down low power it's still a little bit underpowered so like it, it is what we want but it, there's there's some serious asterisks and downsides mm -hmm. um and it, that was just me having fun with <laughs> trying to come up with a clever title to, <laughs> to make, be unique but that that's also kind of my overall take on it is it's great to see there are flaws you should be aware of them and that's kind of what i try to cover in my review fair enough yeah i just thought i'd ask because i couldn't quite work out what it meant so. <laughs> I, i'm i'm not saying that someone's gonna die or you know it, no, it's know. not that dramatic it's just it, it, i um 
I forget while I was writing it that came across uh, somewhere. I, I think I saw a tweet with it or, or something, and it's just kind of stuck in my brain of like, oh, that's kind of an interesting way to think about this product because it's good and bad, and there, there's a lot to, there to discuss. Nice. Um, I also wrote a thing for the host of my blog, so there's a link in the show notes as well. Uh, I was basically going over why does Ubiquiti use 24 volt passive PoE? Um, so there's a lot of questions that we that I see online about why is like why are they using 24 volt passive PoE when you've got a, a active PoE used? Basically, the the sum up I came with was that they Ubiquiti got their start in the Wisp world, and passive PoE in the Wisp world is is and has been very much a main staple of it. The thing I came up with was mainly to do with I saw it this I saw a post on the forums ages ago. It was that if you've got a remote tower, the last thing you want is the active PoE part of it to not work and things to go offline. You want things to be powered on primarily. Um, that was the main reason. And also uh, solar setups as well. Wisps use a lot of solar and solar is in 12 and 24 volts. Those two are passive. If you're trying to upscale to 48 volt, you get a lot of loss. That was the main reasons. And also um, they have moved away from passive PoE in terms of the Unify network and those other devices. But there is still some support for it, but mainly it's now on USP. So uh, if you want to check that out, you can do. Um, I thought it was quite an interesting take. And I was, again, I saw quite a few questions about it in the past, so I thought I'd clear, the th- clear things up for people. So, Yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Um, as always, you can find this podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. For full description of this show, visit the episode link in the show notes. Uh, if anyone has any Ubiquiti-related questions, please email them to info at theinterface.uk, and me and Evan will go through those questions in a future episode if you've got any Ubiquiti-related questions. We also have an ad-free premium version of this show available on Apple Podcasts. That will help support this episode and future podcasts we do. Thank you for joining me on this episode of UI Chat, Evan. Where can people find you online if they want to find out more about you and what you do? EvanMcCann.net. EvanMcCann.net. Awesome. Uh, you can find the interface at theinterface.uk. Uh, thanks for listening to this UI Chat podcast episode. If you like what we do, follow the show on all the podcast platforms and on YouTube. Give us a rating. This really helps other people find this show. Once again, thank you, Evan, for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again next time. See you.